hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. It's it's almost now 100 days, 79 days. Joe Biden abandons our fellow Americans behind enemy lines. And it's, what, 92 days since he promised not to do it. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Let's go back. We We have this. We have these gubernatorial races that are going on tomorrow. The Commonwealth of Virginia is drawing the most attention because it the polls now show late breaking voters deciding people deciding late are breaking very, very hard towards Glenn Youngkin. And we're seeing independents have broken very hard towards Glenn Youngkin. It's not just one poll. It's pretty much every poll. Robert Cahaley, Trafalgar, Matt Towery, Insider Advantage, every basic poll. Joe Biden has a 71% disapproval rate, and Terry McAuliffe brought him into town. But the biggest issue that really seems to have resonated more than any other is on education. It started with this comment by Terry McAuliffe. Shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So you stop the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Uh, Okay, parents shouldn't have a role. Then the the more interesting thing is this weekend McAuliffe doubles down double doubles down again. Parents shouldn't be telling schools what to teach, and everybody clapped when I said parents shouldn't be in charge of their kids' education, which is a lie. And then he talks about well, we have great school, we have a great school system in Virginia. We raised our our five kids there. The only problem is four out of the five kids went to private school. Listen. So, Governor, what about that that you feel as if you were taken out of context? Do you feel as if everything you said there should reassure parents that they have some say in their kids' schooling? Listen, that was about a bill I vetoed, which people were very happy that I vetoed the bill, that literally parents could take books out of the curriculum. You know, I love Billy and Jack McCall of my parents, but they should not have been picking my math or science book. We have experts who actually do that. We have a great school system in Virginia. Dorothy and I have raised our five children. Of course, parents are involved in it. The question should be, could an extreme Republican bill that would allow parents to take books off of shelves, should that be left in the hands of the parents or should it be left to the school boards and others who do this every single day and focus on it? Yeah, Virginia. four of the five children went to private school. New Kingridge weighs in on what would be tomorrow if Glenn Youngkin pulls this out in what is a blue state. It will be the equivalent of a political earthquake. Um, Mr. Speaker, uh, I saw your comments over the weekend. You think this is very possible. What does it mean if it happens? Well, let me say, I think, first of all, that Youngkin is almost certainly going to win tomorrow. uh, And that, frankly, the Republican candidate in New Jersey is going to be much, much closer than anybody expected two weeks ago. Uh, In the case of Youngkin, you've got unique Virginia issues. And I think Terry McCall has run exactly the wrong race. I watched over the weekend a series of about 14 TV ads between the two of them, and McAuliffe kept talking about politics. He wanted to talk about January 6th. He wanted to talk about Donald Trump. 
And Youngkin is talking about your children, your schools, your job, your cost of living. So the one guy is talking about Virginia, that's Youngkin. The other guy is desperately trying to turn this into a Senate race where you talk about national issues. That's Governor McAuliffe. And it's odd because McAuliffe had been the governor. I mean, if anybody was theoretically ready to talk about Virginia, it ought to be a guy who'd been governor for four years. But it's clear that they didn't think they could win on Virginia issues. And so they tried to polarize the state. And what happened was uh, McAuliffe then made this huge mistake, which you just played. Uh, and basically, Virginia has been really torn up by the fact that, ironically, the bluest parts of the state are the best educated parts that care the most about their children's education, that are the most angry about these school boards. And so you've had, I mean, out in Loudoun County, which went, uh, I think Trump lost it by 20 points, um, they had over a 1,000 people at a rally about the school board. Uh, <clears throat> people are just enraged because the school boards are arrogant. They're totally in bed with the teachers' unions. They are uh, lying to the public. And we, we now know unequivocally that the Loudoun County School Board was just plain lying all summer. Uh, and in the case of Loudoun County, you ended up with a young girl being raped uh, in the in the girls' room by a guy in a dress. It was all covered up by the school system. They then transferred the guy to another school where he raped another girl. Uh, and that sort of stuff just has the community enraged. Meanwhile, in Arlington and Alexandria, there's huge anger, particularly uh, in the Asian community, over the fact that there's this effort to dumb down uh, the best high schools in Virginia, which had been magnet schools, which really taught kids very advanced, you know, really attracted the best students. Well, that bothers the left because, after all, that means somehow whoever they favor wasn't getting there. So they're dumbing down the schools. That's the second big fight. And then the third fight is over this whole issue of, of trying to teach uh, that if you're white, you're a racist and uh, you're a bad person. And you had, you had one woman who uh, got deeply involved because her daughter came home at like seven years of age and said, Mommy, am I an evil person because I was born white? And at that point, she thought, I better get involved in my school system. And so the education issue has bubbled up in Virginia more than any other place in the country. But it's a signal to Republicans and to conservatives that this may be the moment to take head on the, the government schools and the government unions uh, that have uh, so deeply crippled our education system. You know, when we spoke last week and, and we talked about your new book, which is coming out this week, I think it's this week, right beyond Biden. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we have we have a link on Hannity.com and uh, it's on Amazon.com. And now it's in bookstores everywhere as of today. And, you know, I, I, I thought deeply about what should be in this contract. And it's a lot of what I mentioned. For me, being a conservative is about liberty, freedom. It is uh, about capitalism and our Constitution. But it also includes school choice, energy independence, secure borders, free and fair trade, and peace through strength. But we often skip over this part about education. And what's fascinating to me about this Commonwealth race is this is now coming front and center. And we, we now spend more per student in the U.S. than any other industrialized country, and we come in anywhere between 37th and 42nd in terms of proficiency of math and reading. It seems like 
the 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 best winning issue that we've underutilized all these years? Well, I think it's I think it's an issue, and this is part of why I wrote Beyond Biden because I I think we have to be more than just anti-Biden. I think we have to be for the kind of change we need if we're going to compete with China, and it is impossible for us to compete with China with the current education system and with the uh, government-run schools and then the government employees, the teachers' unions, basically the government employee unions, and they have made such a total mess of this that we've got to go towards, I think, school choice, which, by the way, was a key factor in DeSantis winning in Florida. He got 19% of the black female vote based specifically on school choice. Uh, and, and did so against an African-American candidate on the Democratic ticket. And I think what you saw happen in Virginia was all these different issues came bubbling together. But I think across the country that the issue of safety, the issue of actually learning, uh, and the issue of being able to get a job, those three are at the heart of where we have to go. And I wrote Beyond Biden specifically to begin to figure out how we take on China and how we, what do we have to do as a country to modernize and reform ourselves? And when you have a place like Baltimore City Schools, where five schools had zero students able to pass the state exam, zero. Mr. Well, Speaker, I, I hate to disagree with you. It's 13 public high schools. In, All right. Uh, now, and I'll add one other fact. Baltimore has the second highest per capita spending per student, and they right. have 13 public schools where kids are not proficient in math and reading. 13, thir ha, ha, that is a spectacular fail. How, I don't I mean, even, you have to if you set out to fail, you couldn't screw it up that bad. Well, I mean, if you have a school building in which not a single student's passing the exam, what are you paying the teachers for? And of course, what you have is a racket. You have the control of the school boards by the teachers' unions who then guarantee that the school boards do nothing about bad teachers and that they approve teaching very radical things that are fundamentally destructive of America and in many cases fundamentally destructive of the students. I mean, you have, you have left-wingers now who want to abolish mathematics because it turns out that mathematics is hard. And so their answer is, instead of saying, how do we get extra tutoring, how, how do we make sure that every poor child in America learns math, their answer is, well, let's just eliminate math and nobody will fail because it, you won't have it. That's what you're seeing the reaction to in Northern Virginia because so many of the parents who normally would vote Democrat are looking up and saying, wait a second, I really value education and I really want my child to get a good education. And it's clear that uh, you have uh, in, in uh, Terry a governor who's terrible and who is, in fact, uh, going to do exactly the wrong things. i got to take a break. We'll come back more with Speaker Gingrich. 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program.
All right, as we continue, a former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, uh, his new book out today, Beyond Biden, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. It's interesting what happened this weekend because Terry McAuliffe was claiming critical race theory is not being taught in Virginia, and it's never been taught in Virginia. He's actually said it earlier this month about this curriculum. And as I've said this a lot, it's a dog whistle. It's racial. It's division used by Glenn Youngkin and others. Well, it turns out. Uh, that he lied because there's a presentation uh, from 2015 with Terry McAuliffe was governor that encourages teachers, quote, to embrace critical race theory in order to re-engineer attitudes and belief systems. Now, between that and... Oh, go ahead. No, no, and, and what you're saying is this is the school as an indoctrination center, not the school as a place to learn how to think. And that's why a lot of teachers, I, I heard Glenn Youngkin, I think he was in Mark Levin yesterday, say, teachers come up to him and say, I want to be able to go back and teach kids how to think, not try to indoctrinate them into some strange philosophy. And I think that uh, we're going to find a lot of teachers who vote for Youngkin precisely to get back to schools that behave like schools. It's going to be a fascinating week. Did you see NBC's poll where 71% of the country believe we are now on the wrong track and it also appears apparently Joe Biden fell asleep during a climate speech, to, despite him claiming it's the greatest threat to U.S. national security. I'm not sure if you saw you, the video yet, but ever, it's there. Have you ever have you ever tried staying awake during a climate speech? <laughs> no, I think I I don't think I could I mean, do it. I mean, I, I mean, I used to I, teach environmental studies, and I'll guarantee you, some of those speeches were in fact tremendous opportunities for eliminating insomnia. Um, Plus, but see, the thing I'm fascinated by, and I, I can't get anybody to bite on this, they had 85 cars in, in the caravan. Wait a minute. Did you not see how many private jets were flown in for the summit? I mean, oh, yeah. this, this whole thing is such a hypocritical, bizarre, you know, both India and China, who are the two major pollutants in the world, have both indicated they ain't going to follow anything that's adopted in Glasgow. Nothing. So the whole thing is a farce. It's a farce, and there's more. There's a bigger carbon footprint than 99% of every other person on Earth just for this one summit on climate change. And I guess climate change changes for thee, but not for me. Um, and I think it's a big problem with the Democratic Party in general, is they are a party of great hypocrisy. Um, well, I, think, it, I think Ted Cruz had a big idea, by the way, that we should pass a rule that uh, illegal immigrants have to be sent to places like Nantucket. <laughs> that was a good idea. I think uh, well, just like they tried to build the windmills outside of the Kennedy compound, that did I mean, not go over take, pretty well. Take the 100 wealthiest zip codes in America and guarantee that they get their fair share of illegal immigrants. And the, the, and the border wall will start going up the following morning. Well, I mean, walls obviously work because they want to build one when they need it around the Capitol and, and elsewhere. Uh, obviously, For they sure. wouldn't build it if they didn't think they worked. But, uh, Mr. Speaker, it's going to be a fascinating day tomorrow, and you, you are predicting a Yunkin win. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. And I think there are real lessons for Republicans to learn about the value of issues, the value of talking clearly to people about their lives, and that Yunkin really is going to give us a model that we can apply. As you were pointing out, we have a new contract with America based on that kind of kitchen talk uh, real issues, uh, which is exactly what the left is setting up, because what they're doing just doesn't work. And I think that's the most simple way to define their failure. 
big government socialism just doesn't work. All right, quick break. More with Newt Gingrich. We're going to talk about his book, Beyond Biden, out today. Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Uh, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. We'll get a few of your calls in. Newt Gingrich is with us today. He's just released the book Beyond Biden Today. We have it featured on Hannity.com, on Amazon.com, now in bookstores everywhere. If, in fact, what we think can happen tomorrow in the Commonwealth of Virginia happens, if that happens... It would be, in my view, a a bellwether. It would be a canary in a coal mine moment for the Democrats in terms of their democratic socialism being outright rejected. The next thing would be beyond Biden, to quote your book. What what should the Republicans be doing to be prepared to actually lead and fix this mess that's being created? You know, since January twentieth of of this past year. Well, I mean, let me start with where you were a while ago, and that is they ought to look at what Youngkin did, how he put his campaign together, how many positive things he was saying. Then they ought to look at the other Republican governors. We have a whole range of very positive stories across this country where people have actually got things to work. And I think we ought to be the party that gets things to work. They're clearly the Democrats. They're clearly going to be the party where it just doesn't work. And I think that's a huge distinction that people are going to get when they can't fill up their car, they can't heat their house in the winter, they can't buy a, you know, a Christmas tree because there's a shortage, uh, et cetera. And so I would say that the great virtue, this is the first time uh, since 94 that I've thought we should go to work on putting a real contract together. And the reason is I think the country is hungry, and this is why I wrote Beyond Biden, the country is hungry to have a leadership that's going to actually offer them a better future, not just beat up the other guy. And I think it's, you know, well, it would have been easy to write an anti-Biden book, but it wouldn't have really fed, met the country's need, which is to have the kind of modernization that will let us compete with China and be successful, safe, and prosperous. And uh, I think that, that we should build on many of the ideas you've talked about, Others have talked about we We have the basis out here for a lot of good stuff. And frankly, there were a lot of things that Trump was proposing that didn't get through the Congress that are worth going back and resurrecting. It's a, it's a job that Brooks Rollins and others have taken on. And I think between all this, we could offer the most positive solution-filled platform in American history. And we could also have a party. The key thing here is you've got to get the candidates, including incumbents, to run on the program that you want them to then implement. Because if, if they just went off of you know cheap advertising and negative attacks and all that stuff, then they're not going to be prepared to have the courage to go through this. And, and that's why what we did in 94 was so unusual, because we had everybody committed to act before they got elected. We didn't try to convince that, them. That's after. why I keep going back to it. Now, over the course of doing radio for 33 years and my 25 years at Fox, anybody that has followed me at any point during that time has probably heard me advocate another contract with America. And the reason I like the contract is because you're putting your, your signature on a piece of paper and you're pledging and promising and giving, your sol- giving a solemn vow to do something if elected. And it's a positive agenda. 
And and what I mentioned earlier, I won't repeat everything, low taxes, less bureaucracy, energy independence, control, you know, law and order, uh, choice in school, uh, legal immigration, secure borders. All of these things combined are commitments that I think people running for office need to make. And then if everybody makes it, then the likelihood that it's going to get done will go up dramatically. Yeah, and I think if you have them with a document which is actually signed, it gives you, I can tell, say this from personal experience, we, we had enormous leverage in the spring of 95 because everybody had signed the document. Uh, and so people who suddenly said, oh, you mean we really meant it? I said, yeah, <laughs> here's your signature. Uh, and you needed that because you have all the lobbyists, you have all the scaredy cats, you have all the professional staffs who cling to the old order. Um, there are lots of countervailing things undermining your momentum, and you need something which brings you together as a team. And you need to recognize successful governing in America is a team sport. Uh, you got to have folks in the Senate. you got to have folks in the House. Ultimately, after 24, we need to have a president. But if we can build that momentum towards very specific, and, and you mentioned a very powerful one earlier, which is school choice. Uh, given the mess that the government schools have created and the government unions have created, going to a opportunity for parents to pick the school that they believe is best for their child, uh, I think is a very important step in the right direction. Low taxes, limited government, less bureaucracy, school choice, law and order, free market solutions for health care, secure borders, energy independence, uh, constitutionalists on the bench, free and fair trade, peace through strength. By the way, that means keeping up with the Chinese government and their hypersonic weapons that can launch apparently nukes. Uh, these are scary times, but I don't think it's that hard to to explain what it means to be a conservative. Why do people struggle explaining it when it's very simple? Uh, I think because they let the news media ask the questions. I, I always tell conservatives, answer the question you wish they asked. Never try to answer <laughs> the question that they ask. Because you know, they're always going to be biased against you. You know what's very funny is whenever I get interviewed... I, I never take usually a th second or third question because I never get finished answering the first one. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's another technique. It, it's not even a technique. It's just like, it's okay, you're boring me. Your questions are stupid. You don't, you're, all, you're at best on a surface level. Senator. So in the House, we only get to speak limited times, but you've been a great senator with that technique. Jim is in Virginia. Jim, you're, you're on with Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Hi. I'll be a goose fried and chicken fat. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Hannity, I I'm pleased as punch to be talking to y'all from Virginia. And I, I got a question for the Speaker because I, I, I never vote early. I'll tell you, I, I vote on Election Day because I know it's going to happen and I, I can see it. But anyway, Mr. Speaker, I I'm excited about uh, Mrs. Sears, the, the lieutenant governor uh, yep. candidate, uh, and, and also uh, Delegate Miaris, who is the, the attorney general uh, candidate for the Republican Party. We, these two, you, you talk about, they, they always say, well, uh, Republicans are monolithic and they're, and they're all, uh, pasty white guys. But here we have a, a Jamaican immigrant whose daddy brought her here in, 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 when she was six years old. We have Mr. Miares, who is, uh, whose mama is a Cuban exile. And, and my question to you, I, I hear you speaking a lot about Mr. Youngkin. I, I just would like to hear, uh, you know, your thoughts on uh, your, uh, as far as uh, Mrs. Sears and uh, Delegate Miaris are concerned. 
Well, I, I think they're probably going to win. I, I've looked at a number of the RS, um, ads that are devastating against the current attorney general, who has Having just refused to, to enforce the law. And I think that Miara's is very likely to win. I don't know, uh, Mrs. Sears, but I think, again, th this is a ticket. Uh, I think if, if Youngkin wins by the margin, I think he will. Uh, all three of them are going to win, and they're going to carry a majority into the assembly, and that's going to give him the authority and the capacity to really govern. And it's a new generation of Republicans. I mean, if you think about it, these folks are all new. They bring a whole new approach. They give us a, a diversity and an ability to reach out to communities that historically the Virginia GOP did not have. And I think that's terrific. I think that it's healthy for us. And the Democrats just don't know how to cope with it. And one of the biggest problems that, Mc that McAuliffe has is he crowded out two African-American women who were legitimate candidates. And as a result, people like Governor Doug Wilder uh, have been going around the state hammering on, you know, not how, not being attacking Youngkin, they've been going around attacking McAuliffe. And so he has more dissent in the black community than we have ever seen in a Virginia race. And I think it's because people feel he didn't do a good job as governor, and then he ruthlessly shoved aside these two women uh, and in order to, for his own ambition. And that's part of why I think he's going to lose. I think his turnout in the black community is going to be very low, uh, despite a video from Kamala Harris, which has got to be one of the dumber things you could do, despite Obama coming into town, uh, despite Stacey Abrams. Uh, I just think the in the end, uh, Virginians aren't going to be motivated by outsiders lecturing them. Quick break. More with Newt Gingrich. His new book out, Beyond Biden, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. <laughs> Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, his new book out today, Beyond Biden, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. I would not have thought that Virginia would be in play. And, and interestingly, I don't know, I think it's a stretch at this point, but Trafalgar, that's our friend Robert Cahaley, has New Jersey's gubernatorial race at a four-point spread within the margin of error. But, I mean, does this reconfigure the entire electoral map for a national election sure. over time? Yeah, I mean, look, I think probably for corruption reasons, New York is really hard. And for a whole range of, of reasons, California is really hard. And there are a handful of states. Hawaii would be difficult. Uh, but the truth is, when you start building up discontent, I mean, every state in the country, people are going out there, as I, as Kristen and I did this weekend, she spent $72 filling up her car, and I spent $79 filling up my truck. Now, Every state in the country where people drive, they know that Biden is costing them money, even though they're making less than $400,000 a year. You get into the Northeast and you start having the winter heating oil experience. This is also going to be true in Michigan. It's going to be true in Wisconsin and Minnesota and across the, the, the northern belt. It's going to be true and pretty much everywhere except for Florida and Southern California, but yes, right. and, and Arizona. And so, and so people are going to start saying, wait a second. I can't, I can't afford to drive my car. I can't afford to heat my house. I can't afford to buy food. I, I had a friend who just told me he, he, he bought a chicken two weeks ago for $6. He went back this week and it's 12 um, I mean, you're going to see so many different things that people, just, you know, you have the murder rate, as you were talking about earlier, 
all this stuff comes together. You look, you look at the border, and you realize that you're dealing with, with like, people who are crazy in the federal government. The idea is somebody out is how they sat at a table and said, I got it. Why don't we give every illegal immigrant a $450,000 package? I mean, you have to wonder, where was this person? How did they get out of the mental institution? Uh, and oh. that's the kind of stuff you're up against. Let's go to Russell in Missouri. Russell, you're on with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. His new book is out. It is called Beyond Biden. Bookstores everywhere. How are you, sir? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Speaker and Sean. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually um, coming from the hometown of Rush Limbaugh. He he grew oh, up in the great. house right across the street from where yeah, I live. Cape Girardeau. Yeah, Cape Girardeau. Sure enough. Um, my question is regarding education. Abe Lincoln said the philosophy of the schoolroom and generation, this generation is the philosophy of the government in the next generation. And my question is, what is the appropriate involvement for for our constitution-loving patriots to really engage in the school environment, to have voice. What, what do parents well, need to do to be involved? I, 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 look, I think you start by going to school board meetings, and you start by you know doing what you're doing today, which is getting on talk radio and writing letters to the editor. And in some cases, you run for the school board. And uh, a lot of places around the country are going to have a lot more patriotic, conservative school board members after the next couple of years because people are now fed up. But, but in addition, we have to go back to the work ethic. We have to go back to the idea that we don't give people things. Because as Franklin Roosevelt warned in his, in August, his State of the Union in 1935, welfare inevitably undermines the fabric of freedom. And I mean, when, when Roosevelt's warning us against giving things away, we should be paying attention. And one of the greatest achievements we had when I was Speaker was a welfare reform bill that put people back to work that actually brought children out of poverty because their parents got a job uh, and that created a, an incentive to recognize that you have a duty to work, not just to rely on others or live off others, but to go to work. That's a fundamental fight with the left, and it's one of the biggest differences between a big government socialism and a free market capitalism. We think people have an endless future if they'll get up in the morning and go to work. They think people ought to just sit around and get money from the government because they think it appears magically. And as you know, some taxpayer somewhere had to pay for that, either today or in the future through inflation. And we're paying the cost and inflation of that kind of spending. Big time. And everybody feels it. And the people that are disproportionately impacted negatively are the poor and the middle class, the opposite of what liberals promise. Uh, the book is a roadmap. It's for the future. Beyond Biden, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Mr. Speaker, couldn't be a more timely book. Uh, looking forward to the results tomorrow, and uh, we'll get your your take Great. on it post-election. And, and good luck with the book, and we appreciate you being with us. It's going to be exciting. Thanks. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? We'll go back to the Commonwealth of Virginia. How is it the school superintendent claims not to know anything about the rape that took place in this Loudoun County bathroom and the transfer of the student involved and then a second incident occurs because the police know all about it. Luke Rosiak, investigative reporter, will join us. Quick break, right back. <laughs> 